they started to question our purpose when they heard the strategy. Hi, I'm Belden Mankis. Welcome to The Purposeful Strategist. The podcast that shifts the conversation about purpose and strategy from what organizations should do to what business leaders actually are doing and what they've learned along the way. Today I'm joined by Darren James, CEO of Keltbrake Group, an innovative construction engineering specialist company. Darren shares with us how he's gone about developing a purpose and strategy for Keltbrake as well as some tips for getting great staff engagement through the process, especially from junior staff. Darren, thanks for joining us for this episode. Um, maybe you could just start by telling us a bit about yourself and about Kelpray. Okay, thanks, Baldwin. I'm Darren James. I'm the chief executive of the Kelpray Group. I'm a civil engineer by profession, graduated in 1990 in the University of Surrey and, and worked in an organisation called Costain uh, Group PLC for 30 years, rising to the role of chief operating officer. And then decided that CEO role was one for me. And Kelpray had all what I wanted with the ingredients to go and try my luck as a CEO. Uh, Kelpray is a £500 million turnover engineering business in the built environment and infrastructure space. It's a privately owned business, one single shareholder. And I felt it had loads of potential to grow, which is what I've agreed with the owner that we're going to do with it. That's me and Kelpray. Very good. Thank you. And how do you think about purpose there. How does that show up both in what you do and how did it come about, the purpose that it has? Well, the fantastic opportunity that I've had at Kelpray is effectively to really spend some time, tragically, we've all been under a COVID-19 world, but uh, strangely, taking on a new role like CEO role in that sort of world means I have had some time to think things through and actually spent quite a bit of time on really pressing the flesh of the business to see what was its purpose. And you can start off with, you know, clearly a solely owned business by one single shareholder. Its purpose is to provide shareholder value. And interestingly, with that owner, there are two drivers. The clear is that there's a financial return from the enterprise, but also there's a desire by the owner for the business to do the right thing. And there is a pride in the owner from delivering built environment solutions that obviously uh, affect the, the skyline in London, as well as delivering critical infrastructure like rail and power. So Putting to one side what you're sort of presenting to your own team, your own organization, delivering shareholder value is taken for granted. And therefore, you focus on, well, okay, well, what is leaning on the other side of it? And what is Kelpray about? And after a couple of sort of workshops around the business and looking at what it did historically, looking at what we wanted to do with the business moving forwards, we actually came up with a purpose, which doubles up, I'd say, the vision of the business as well. So the line we came up with was that Kelpray's purpose was to redefine the way sustainable development was delivered. And that strap line, for want of a better word, had a couple of important words in it for me. It was sustainable development, which is clearly in line with the UN sustainable development goals. That put us right at the relevant heart of built environment infrastructure solutions. Um, redefining meant that we were going to be bold and we were going to rethink how we went about doing it and then delivered linked to what we're all about. This is all well and good talking about it, but unless the rubber hits the road and you deliver, then the rest is sort of academic. So I was really pleased that, let's say, the team and myself, we landed on something I think, well, in fact, since then, I've rolled it out to the business. The business has recognised as being something happy to get behind because it appeals to whether you're a professional engineer in the business, whether you're a back office support function, being part of an organization that's got a bold ambition, yet it's quite clear in terms of its framework as to where it's going to deploy that, that ambition, 
I've had some very positive feedback that proud of being in Calpray, being also proud of its purpose of redefining the way sustainable development is delivered has gone down well. Mm, that's very good to hear. Were there any kind of pushback around that? I mean, it sounds like you did a fair amount of work to involve people before you got to that. Very much observed the social media around the business to really tap into the grassroots of what was going on. But in terms of defining it and, and homing in on the words, the top 100 ISOs, influencers and potential in the business were very much involved mm-hmm. with, with defining it. And I on purpose linked it to the UN Sustainable Development Goals because that gives an appeal and a breadth to what we're doing that you can engage with all the latest topics. And particularly in the UK, where we're focused on the decarbonisation agenda to help with the climate change, but also the growth agenda and the redeployment of wealth within the UK to the regions. There's plenty of, let's say, UN Sustainable Development Goal initiatives that you could get behind. It's very much provided us with a framework to do our sustainability strategy, our inclusion strategy, our people strategy, because once we have an overarching strategy to grow the business and deliver built environment infrastructure solutions, you still always have to have sub-strategies to deal with your corporate responsibility, your governance, and to motivate your people and take them with you. You haven't said this, but... What I'm hearing a little bit is you've kind of positioned Kelpray in the midst of some bigger movements or efforts, the UN development goals, a number of other things. It sounds like that was a deliberate step, but did you plan to sort of say, we want to align ourselves with a bunch of other people so we have more impact? Or what led to that, the sort of choice of UN sustainable development goals? It's a good point, actually, and I've been very conscious that in things invented internally without strong reference to external requirements can quite often look like products that people are trying to push without there really being a market. I'm a firm believer when we set up a strategy that for me, I really wanted to establish the marketplaces. If there's no market that either exists or one you can create for the product that you're selling, then your business isn't going to last long. So I was very much always wanted to externally benchmark what we were doing rather than internally gaze and derive something. So that was the reason for that. But also, it does enable us to exploit an existing framework. It helped immensely too. And whilst we're not going to slavishly pursue all the 17 goals, because some of them are not applicable, but there's probably five or six of them that are very relevant to what we do. And a lot of our customers and clients, they're aligned with them too. And therefore, it's a very useful platform for us to, when we're providing a service to our client, we can regularly demonstrate how we're helping them with their purpose. Yeah, it was an on-purpose conscious decision to align with the greater good. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. And what would you say your strategy is? I mean, it may flow very directly out of that purpose, but is it the same thing or is it something different? No, no, I am much to sometimes the annoyance of my team. I slavishly labor on the difference between purpose, a vision, a mission, a strategy. I could go on in as a plan, but um, your strategy should be a plan. And okay, there's an implementation part of the strategy and there's the strategy itself. And a strategy is only as good as its implementation, but you, you have to start off with something. And when I, let's say, looked at two things, I looked at Kelpbrainer's capability and I looked at the marketplace that I was wanting to address. And therefore, the strategy strapline I came up with, and this, therefore that informed our strategy, is called Unleashing Our Potential. And the two drivers there are, I saw two big opportunities. There were the fantastic people and capabilities that Kelpray had, and I knew we could attract more of them. 
And therefore, unleashing the potential from one lens was that unleashing the potential within the business. But also, when I looked into the marketplace, there were certain markets that we served well. There were certain markets we were in, but we didn't serve as well as we could. And there were certain markets that we weren't in at all, but there was a service that we could deploy there. So put simply, unleashing our potential in terms of the customer-facing, market-facing side of things was about exploiting the potential of doing better in the market we're already in, continuing to do work where we were very well thought of and a market leader, and exploiting the services and capabilities we had in adjacent markets. So for instance, it therefore wouldn't, didn't come as a surprise to people when they saw that we were targeting the highways market having built a strong ability to deliver, let's say, concrete structures within the built environment sector and understood working in a controlled transport environment like rail. So those two existing skill sets were easily deployable into an adjacent sector. And I could name civil nuclear and defence as being two other sectors that we weren't in, but readily want and could deploy our skill set in. Mm-hmm. And did you get those points of view in somewhat the same way you did with the purpose of involving a bunch of other people? Or did you, you know, sort of look at public data? How did you figure out which of those areas? Um, so there are people in my team that are very capable of trawling an amount of market data. Really important for me personally were two other dimensions. They were testing it with the envisaged client base. And therefore, I did several testing sessions with customers as to whether the strategy was relevant to them. In fairness, through that process, we fine-tuned the strategy. A lot of these clients, even more exposed to the climate change agenda, the re-baselining of wealth in the UK agenda, the changing political environment, the changing demographics, the changing transport needs, the increase in the use of technology and digital information. So all of those things, you tap into them via basically website trawlable data, hard feedback from clients, and also the important one for me was sounding off colleagues, testing some visible strategies that potential competition might have. So several sources, and for me, it was important to triangulate from more than one source as to the strategy, and then not being afraid also of testing that internally against your own highly intelligent and talented people. Hmm. And it sounds like you, just for clarity, you didn't use a consulting firm or anything else. You this you drove this through the kind of a sensible process that you could do with your own people and use, like you say, triangulation a number of different ways to test that it all sort of made sense. Yeah. Well, no, we didn't use an external consultant. And there's a very good reason for that. You call in external consultants when you run out of the mental horsepower or the ideas to take the next step. And it was so obvious to begin with what we wanted to do. I suspect when we've had two years of this strategy being deployed and we're sort of maybe when we're running out of that internal intelligence, that's when you call in, I think, the external consultant to provide you with that other dimension. So you really want an external consultant to come and help you know what you don't know. And if your first couple of years, it's so obvious what you need to do and what you want to do, then exploit that energy first before moving on to an external consultant. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it sounds like your purpose and your strategy line up, but did you have to do anything specific to get that to happen? Or was the very fact that you were, it sounds like anyway, developing them pretty much around the same time made it easier for that to happen? Yeah, no, interesting. I would have normally have said, if I'd have been asked what comes first, you'd have said either the purpose or the vision. Yeah. But interestingly, I landed in Calpray when a week after COVID-19 lockdown and to, quote, to pontificate over what our vision and our purpose was, 
when it was immediately obvious we had to deal with COVID, fix some things internally, and get through a crisis. The first thing we had to nail was our strategy and our immediate tactics. So I've had the blessing of being educated at Wharton and Harvard on, on courses that, that it takes you through the process. But And I had a lovely crafted plan of what I was going to do in my first 90 days at Calprate to go and do that. But the reality of the matter is it was pretty granular what we had to do to begin with. And therefore, the strategy probably was the first cab out the rank. But in doing the strategy, and particularly when testing with clients and your internal team, they started to question our purpose when they heard the strategy. So that helped us. They were like, okay, yeah, the strategy sort of stacks together. We're going to make it through COVID. We're going to start deploying, enabling and implementing the strategy. But actually, yeah, we're now probably better informed. To, okay, let's just take stock and think, what are we about then? So why is the strategy going to work? Why are we going to be different? Which is why I think we'd have probably not had such a good purpose and vision that we've come up with, which is redefining. I don't think we'd have been as bold if we'd have started with a vision. And I suppose, truth be told, I was probably wrong in thinking that you start with a vision because whenever you go into an existing organization, there's already stuff happening. So you haven't got a blank canvas. You've got existing working relationships. You've got existing markets. You've got existing customers. So to think you can sit there and say, start afresh. Most businesses will probably go bust if you actually said you were going to start afresh on an existing business, um, or at least there would be a huge transitional risk to what you were doing. So I sort of lesson learned, and I will when I go back to either London Business School or something for a week's sort of refresher, I'll sort of feed that back into the profession of strategy that I meet and say, hold on a minute, you know, it isn't necessarily true that you start with a vision and a mission, but a certain circumstances we need a plan for today. And that'll buy us some time to really think through the strategy and the, and the vision. Well, unless I got it wrong, Darren, the, the other thing is doing the strategy and the conversation you had, particularly with external people, helped kind of raise the questions about the purpose, helped sharpen and maybe even raise the level of ambition around the purpose. Interestingly, I have enjoyed far more engagement from the team in the purpose as a consequence of them being able to contextualize it because the strategy was already rolled out, a business plan attached to the strategy. So therefore, a lot of the things that is missing from a purpose is the granularity of the strategy. So at least they had the benefit of knowing what the strategy was going to be that followed the purpose and the vision. So the engagement in particular was really strong. And again, a lesson learned for me, people like to like their purpose, if you want to a better word. So that was, um, it's it very much satisfied that people like to be bold and redefine the way things are done. They were very happy with the obvious morality of being aligned with the UN sustainability goals and delivery was an important aspect to many of them. So yeah, I think that way around helped with the engagement. Yeah, that's really interesting. You may have already answered this question before I even asked it. Let me ask it nevertheless. Uh, was there anything you're particularly proud of in the way you've gone about developing both your purpose and your strategy? I think proud of the fixation on communication because for me a strategy is only as good as its implementation and the implementation is only as good as its communication and you know again i've learned that before you know whilst this is the first time i've been the ceo and responsible for an overall organizational strategy i've deployed hundreds of strategies into large divisions in fact divisions larger than the calpray company itself but a new sector strategies and things like that. so i've had plenty of experience of deploying strategies. And I've therefore learned that spend the time to engage, spend the time to communicate, 
But don't be afraid also of not being blown off course because the negative flip side of engagement and sharing is designed by committee. And you can fall into a trap of wanting everybody's opinion to be, let's say, included. So I use a sort of system that I picked up for one of the business schools that you go around the table to get the opinion, but you make it clear to begin with. Don't expect me to try and chisel in everything everybody said into what we're going to do. But that doesn't mean to say we really valued your input because it's challenged some of the things we were doing. And whilst you might not see it in the finished product, it helped shape the journey of that product to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I suppose the ongoing communication engagement, because I suppose it's a bit of humility. There's nothing rocket science in what we're going to do. You know, we're taking existing services into adjacent and new markets and trying to do things better. It's not exactly rocket science. And therefore, I think it's how we implement it and what we do as the service improvement in that marketplace is going to be where the differentiator comes. Well, and Darren, you said it's not rocket science, but for me, that's one of the hallmarks of a brilliant strategy is you can kind of sum it up in about a dozen words and anybody in the organization can understand, oh, I got it. I got That's what we're doing. Yeah, brilliant. Was there anything that you found particularly difficult? It might have been personally difficult or sort of difficult just in making it happen in the organization or anything that where you think, ooh, in retrospect, we could have done that better? Oh, yeah. We're learning now that, you know, we had a false start in some of the sectors that we were focusing on. But I suppose when I look back, yeah, that we made mistakes, but I probably expected to make a few. And again, I've hopefully encouraged within the team when they're developing the substrate, there's no such thing as a wrong starting point. Mm-hmm. The wrong thing to do is not start. Right. And therefore, start somewhere, putting your colors to the mast, and then everybody then can engage with what your ideas are. If you spend an inordinate time absorbing information and nobody knows where you're going with it, then I think you end up in a worse place by just saying, listen, right or wrong, I think this is where we're heading. And right or wrong, I think this is a good market. Having done some analysis, it's not just a set of a whim. Yeah. So I think communication, engagement, not being afraid of putting some straw men out there. Not been a stranger challenge in the team, encouraging. Well, there is one, actually, I know you think of it, there's a secondary thing, was enabling some of the more junior people to feel as empowered to challenge the strategy as more senior people. How did you do that? Simple techniques, again. If you go into a room and you present a sort of a part of the component of the strategy and then say, what are your thoughts? You know, I'm an extrovert, and therefore I find it very easy to say, well, I can, hang on, I think it should be this. And then you've missed the introvert's opinion. And likewise, senior people with junior people in the room the senior one goes first whereas if you make a point of going round the room to begin with you know who are you what do you do what's your expectation for this session what would you like to input this session and by the way this is a taster for because i'm going to go around everybody and give you all a chance to chip into this thing so you know don't think this is a free for all that the loudest voice or the strongest voice or the most senior voice hears i want your opinion the trade-off is by the way, you must listen to what I'm saying because I really am going to ask you a question of what you just heard. I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah so um, that's brilliant. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, one of the things I've learned is when you go around the room and that little icebreaker and set the rules for them that in this room, in this particular event, they're an equal rank to me. You know, and things like if you were in my shoes, what would you do? And that type of prompting can help quite often really insightful junior members of the team. And we've got to remember too, I'm 53 now, you don't know what the next generation knows. And they're exposed to an amount of data and information that I was never exposed to at their age. And therefore, they've got lots of knowledge that they've picked up very, very quickly and 
can help inform things moving forwards. And in particular, I think the decision to follow the UN sustainability goals as a framework to work within was generated by one of those senior but younger senior members of the team. And it was a thought process I was, I was already minded to adopt, but that reinforced it for me that, well, if a 53-year-old thinks it's the right thing to do and a 27-year-old thinks it's the right thing to do, we've sort of covered the, the demographic gap there. Yeah, we can't, we can't be too far wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and if an extrovert and an introvert likes it, other bits of diversity, like you said, we can't be radically off the mark. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. Is there anything I haven't asked you about that you wish I had? Maybe you should ask, what's your measure of success for the strategy? Hmm. Let me ask you that then. What's your measure of success? Well, if you're true to your strategy, you will have pinned a strategy should have outcomes. And therefore, success for me is either we deliver those outcomes or if we deliver different outcomes, when they're analysed by the stakeholders as either adding more or the same value, that would be success too. So, for instance, we've got a plan that doubles the size of the business, but actually we're already finding out that if we say, not double, but say add another 50% to the size of the business, yet the business has a more enhanced reputation and a better margin level, that would be deemed to be probably more successful than the core strategy itself. So I think success for me is either delivering the objectives the strategy set up to deliver or delivering other outcomes that by testing against stakeholder value assessment are deemed to be as good as, if not better. You know, I I like that for two reasons. One is it allows you to respond sensibly to the external world changing. Spot on. And it allows you to incorporate what you learn as you go. Yeah. And therefore, a strategy formulated at the beginning of a pandemic that was developed before the pandemic existed If you haven't got the agility to say, well, hang on a minute, that strategy, it's got to be modified. The outcomes have got to be re-benchmarked because we're going to have a torrid first 18 months. And if you're slavishly fixating on just the one strategy, you're probably going to fail. Mm. Very good. Darren, that's been genuinely educational for me. So I really appreciate it. No, that's good. Darren, I really want to thank you for joining us today. Um, It's been fantastic. Appreciate you coming along. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Purposeful Strategist. Please email any suggestions or questions to belden at mancus.com. And if you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe. Thanks again, and join us soon for the next episode of The Purposeful Strategist.